I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Footy Prime News and Such. Your one-stop destination for footy news and such. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. It is Friday, which means it's time for Footy Prime News and Such. So Dan Wong brought in the newsman. The guy that works for the Crown Corp now and has been head buried in Olympics for, God, it feels like three months. But uh, three great weeks of the Olympics, but I've missed you guys. So I'm Brendan Dunlop, back on Footy Prime. Joined by producer Dan Wong. Thanks for summoning me to do something else. Well, it was important with all the uh, the Russian exploits going on. It was a it's going to be a fun couple of weeks for you, brother. Oh You're yeah, exhausted it's gonna, though. It's going to be. If you want to talk about Camila Valieva, we can get to that at some point. But uh, but I don't know how much figure skating um, Jimmy Brennan has been watching. Jimmy, have you been you've been uh, have you sunk your teeth into the Olympics, buddy? I I have a little bit. Um, the figure skating. I mean, listen, I. Uh, I think they're amazing athletes that really don't understand it too much. I like yeah. watching it occasionally. But the one sport that I watch that I think these people are absolutely nuts is that the giant slalom. Okay. Isn't it crazy how fast they go down that 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 mountain? Yeah. It's it's wild. They're, they're Lord, racing man. down. And the the track too like the 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 way that they they build that track, it could be like a race course. Like if it was a flat tarmac in, and you had that sudden some beautiful climate, you'd love to race a supercar on that track. Oh. Wild! It's it's wild! It's wild! Every time they start and they're going down that hill, like I, I start panicking. You know when you start getting a little bit nervous, I'm like oh. <laughs> he's going, he's on his way down. And then the weirdest thing—it's in between these big boulders. Yeah. The whole thing. It's wild, man. Not for me. There's yeah. no way. It makes a good TV though. It does. I wouldn't be able to watch my kid if he did that. No, I don't think I, I don't think I could either. But uh, but yeah, uh, it's nice to not have to talk about quad axles uh, right now. I can just talk about uh, talk about footy with you guys. So um, I, I still know what quad axle is. It was a problem with my SUV once, and now I'm talking about it uh, as big tricks in the, in the winter games. Um, let's talk about Manchester United. This is this is kind of the main story that everybody's talking about overseas um, because there's a, a North American connection, of course. Uh, Manchester United have not been good under Ralph Ragnick. Simple as that. Um, he brought in Chris Armas to be his number two and has kind of instructed him to run the training sessions. And the reports are that uh, behind his back, the players refer to him as Ted Lasso, which <laughs> for as much as we love Ted Lasso, uh, that is not an endearing uh, comment or nickname for the American Chris Armas. Um, 
What do you think of that, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you don't want to laugh, but it is quite funny because I do love Ted Lasso. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. But look, at the same time, I mean, oh, you know, that's you, you're going to get tarnished with that brush because the show is so popular, right? And obviously, you're American that's going over there. And Chris, Chris Armas was a good player. I played against him, and he's a nice guy. You know, so you feel feel for him with the stick that he's getting. And then when the players are actually coming out with that, it's going to be a hard brush to, uh, you know, you get tarnished with that brush and it's going to be a hard one to, to get away from because everybody's going to start calling you that now, right? Well, spoiler alert, Ted Lasso does okay on, like, during the season. So maybe this is a uh, compliment for Chris Armas. Mm. Uh, you've watched <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not a compliment. Uh, you've watched the show, Jimmy. I'm not spoiling anything for you. No, no, I've watched it. Yeah, you've watched. It. Uh, yeah, Wonger. He he also got relegated. Ted Lasso also got at relegated. the end of the first season. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, they they certainly can't have that. But I mean, uh, part of this and and just like this anti Rainick settlement, I guess in in the room is that they say he's very old fashioned as a coach. They don't agree with the training methods, which are employed by Armas, but that is, they all, all they do is prepare for 11 v 11. It's not as skills focused. And, uh, supposedly the players are very upset with his squad selection choices. Um, I mean, they really, they really are a mess. If you look at it statistically, they've improved that they're not conceding the goals like they were before. But I think everyone thought that there would be, you know, this kind of revamp and reset in playing a new system. But it's hard to implement that at the start of the season, right, Jimmy? Let yeah. alone mid-season. Look, here's here's the other issue, right? You know, Chris Chris is working for the gaffer, right? The gaffer will decide what he wants to work on. He'll sit down with Chris and say, "This is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to how we're going to do training." You put it together for me, right? Now, it's not like Chris is just going out there and doing his own thing, right? He's obviously been told as an assistant. This is what we've got to do, and this is what we've got to work on. So the players will be going, oh, we, we don't agree with Chris's training, but Chris is just doing what he's told. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like he's making it up. So obviously the, the head coach is overlooking training session. If he doesn't think it's bad, then it's on the head coach, not the assistant. And right. Chris is obviously getting, getting killed because of that. Getting the brunt of it. Yeah. I mean, the results haven't come. There's obviously a lot of egos in that room. And, uh, you know, we know that Ronaldo doesn't handle losing well and certainly being subbed out. So can uh, imagine that there's just a, a lot of friction. Um, but, you know, you guys were talking about the Mason Greenwood situation and how that must kind of, you know, potentially div- divide a room as well. Like they've got a, a nasty storm of things going on that uh, the wheels can, you know, can really fall off. And the sure. spotlight and the scrutiny is, you know, never brighter than for Manchester United. Well, you. Look, I mean, we, we've talked an awful lot about Man United and the issues that they're having. And it, you're right. And it does come down to egos as well because everybody seems to be pointing a finger and nobody's taking responsibility. Right? And it's an easy thing to do. Go, oh, it's not my fault. It's his fault. Or he's not doing his job. Or, oh, no, it's the assistant coach's training. But it's got to be a point as a professional that you hold your hand up and go, I, I'm not good. I haven't been performing. Because at the end of the day, as a player, you've got to go out there and do got to perform. Right? Coach can only do so much, but still, you've got to play with some pride, right? You can't keep pointing the finger, but it's easy these days, you know, with, with footballers. And any ever, yeah. what? Did, I was going to ask, did you ever have a period where there was, you know, one coach in particular that just totally lost the room that the, the, the change room was? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've had a few. Yeah. I've pointed the finger as well. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, a, as a captain, yeah, you can yeah. do that too. You, you you earn the right as a captain. Are you going to drop a name for us? No, I'm not dropping a name. Oh, jeez. No, I'm sure we've read about, about it. it. But I've, I've been involved in that situation where the manager just loses it. And I think the, you know, as a, as a player, right, we, we do make mistakes. And, and like I'm saying, you, you've got to be honest with yourself at times, right? And if I've played a game, I know I didn't play well. Yeah. Right? I don't need people to tell me. I don't need to read, read a report. I know I haven't performed and I have not played well. And the best managers will come in and go, you played like a bag of shit. And you go, yeah, fair enough. But he'll go out and he'll protect you. He'll protect you and say, look, you know, it was a bit off. You know, it wasn't one of those games, but you know, he'll, he'll take responsibility and he'll protect you as a player, which in turn makes you even work even harder because you feel like you owe the gaffer one. Right. But it's the managers that come in when things aren't going well and they start pointing at the players and you're blaming this player and that player. And, and then what ends up happening, then you start getting a divide in the dress room and then the players start having to go with the manager. And, and then that's when the manager ends up really losing the dress room. Right. The minute that you feel that the manager isn't protecting you and helping you out. Jimmy, sorry, B, is it obvious when they lose the room? Does everyone know at the same time? Or is it this kind of slow diminishment of respect? And then it's like the the straw that breaks the camel's back. Everybody knows, you know, when the manager ends up losing because you can see it in the performance. Mm. Right. You can see it in the player's body language. You know, the shoulders down, heads are down. You know, the, the simple things all of a sudden now become really hard. Uh, on the pitch, everybody's pointing to each other. Oh, you've made that mistake and the hands are up in the air. You know, you, you know when a manager's lost the dressing room. My question was not actually to get you to name, uh, you know, potentially a team in red in a certain uh, period early, you know, in, in a franchise. But uh, to segue to how do they fix it? Uh, do you think United is able to? Do you think Rednick sees the, out the rest of the season? I mean, they've committed to this guy to help them reshape this team beyond the season. Well, they have. They've, they've committed to him now, right? And they've had so many issues. And is it the right thing to, to get rid of this manager and then bring another one in? And all of a sudden, he's going to want his own players. Mm-hmm. He's going to want to get rid of players. And I think some, this one, you just got to got to ride it out and hope things change. Um, obviously upstairs, I'm sure the executives are sitting down with the management and saying, guys, you've got to correct this and figure, figure it out, you know, and as a, as a coach, you've got to figure out how do how do you get the best out of the players? Right. A lot of it's just psychological, you know, sitting down with players and figuring out, okay, how do I get the best out of you? Do I need to dip your boots in a beautiful milk chocolate? And will you perform? Do I got to put my arm around you and have a cup of coffee with you and go for a walk and ask how your life is? Do I have need to give you a kick in the ass to get you going? Like you have to figure out how to get the best out of these players individually. And that's the, that's the coach's job, right? And even though you might have your own formation or own style of play that you want to play, it's very difficult just walking into a dressing room and saying, this is how we're going to play without really knowing if those players can play the way that you want to. So you've got to adapt to those players to get the best out of them and put them in a comfortable situation where you're going to get the best results from them and not make them feel uncomfortable when they're out on the pitch and not perform for you. Right? How many times did you have your right boot dipped in milk chocolate? Oh, buddy. (laughs) I told you. I told you last show, my right boots, okay, all of them, you could put them back on a shelf and sell them. I know. I love that. They're brand new. (laughs) The left ones now, there's... They're in trouble. 
I've enjoyed listening to you with the boys. Obviously, uh, Dan Wong and, and Forrest can take it uh, a certain way. That's maybe a little less newsy than we're here today on news and such. But yeah, no, I've I've loved the story and the the, the prison story was great. Oh, that was the, a good one, man. The prison the prison story was a good one, and uh, and yeah, fighting with the military with a, a squad full of Irish guys. Yeah, also very good. <laughs> also very good. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, to, to keep it to United and just to wrap it up, I mean, a lot of fighting in that change room, it seems like, uh, dealing with those egos and, and just, you know, yeah, the coaching staff not having any respect, it seems like. I don't know how they, you know, how they write the ship here. Um, this is not a team that can afford to be qualifying for the UEFA Conference League. Um, yeah. You know, they'd, they'd rather miss out on that completely and finish eighth than have that embarrassment of going to Bulgaria on a Thursday afternoon that nobody knows. Yeah. But, um I, I just don't know. I just don't know how they how they write it, which is which is wild when you look at where they were when Ronaldo came at, in September. I thought that uh, this would be a team that we'd be talking about potentially challenging for the title. Yeah, Not even close. I, I, I did as well. I did as well. You know, I think when he came and, and obviously the first game that he played, and you're just like, okay, here it is. You know, the, the buzz is back at, at United. And, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's an awful situation, and I can only imagine what the coaching staff is going through right now. Right, they must be absolutely uh, devastated, um, especially when the players are going to the press and they're and they're talking about your technical staff. Uh, mm. You know, that's when you start thinking, okay, what what's our next move now? You know, we've we've got to regroup, we've got to get this squad back, um, or otherwise we're gone. So it'd be interesting to see how they're going to handle it. Um, and I think if I was Chris, if I was Chris, and I, I was in that situation. Um, I think one, I'd probably try to have a little laugh with it, you know, or maybe go and dressed up as Ted Lasso just to get a little buzz around a place. But then at the same time, I think I'd be sitting with the older guys and say, okay, guys, what, what can I do better? You know, I've got knowledge of this game. I've got a lot of experience. I need to get better myself and then I've got to get you better. So how are we going to make this work? And it doesn't hurt to have those conversations with players, right? It does not hurt. But I think sometimes you just got to be honest. Hmm. Because he's not a bad coach. He's not. He's not a bad coach. And he's a good. He's a good guy. Um, from what I know, anyways. I mean, I haven't worked in the dressing room with him, so I don't know. But from the outside, he seems seems okay. So, and you don't want to see that. No. No, I love that coach's perspective. I have a very difficult time picturing you dressed up as Ted Lasso, like even for Halloween. Like it's just not. This is not a fit. No, not for me. Yeah, not for you. Yeah. I think that mustache is a perfect fit for you. You'd cheese it up perfectly. Just curl the ends as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, You guys haven't been talking about the Club World Cup on the episodes I've listened to. Um, Tried somehow that doesn't. It just sank because no one knew what it was. Uh, Right, (laughs) or just like split scrotums, and there's there's other stories that just seem to come up and have have trumped um, the the legendary, the famous Club World Cup. The final is uh, at the weekend. The final is tomorrow on Saturday. Palmeiras versus uh, Chelsea. So, Wonger, do you understand what the Club World Cup is? I do not. And before this episode started, I, I said, B, if we're going to talk about it, you have to explain one more tournament that I have no idea. Like, I get the Carabao Cup. I get the <laughs> FA. Now this one shows up out of the blue, and I'm supposed to know what the Club World Cup is. Explain it to me, please. Speaking of showing up out of the blue, hello, Craig Forrest. <laughs> oh, good morning. I'm a little bit like the Club World Cup, just kind of just come out of the blue. <laughs> that, that's it. Jimmy, uh, did you get? I was in prison this morning. 
<laughs> uh, Jimmy, this wasn't the best. <laughs> Jimmy is dressed like a, a typical man from York region. He's got a, a hoodie and a and a, a scully on a toque. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's funny. Craig's always quick to comment on our appearance on these zooms. Yeah, he he's loves judging all of us. Fucking, he's a judger. He's a judger just because he you looks see, like Ward Waldo. You see that picture of my hair and that youth picture I saw, dude. <laughs> yes, you. You were pushing a little Dunlop in there. There, were, there was a bird nest in that. Oh, my God. It no kidding. A, it was like John Travolta met uh, the, the Backstreet Boys. He had frosted tips. What the oh, hell? No, it, was, it was completely frosted. Wow. Who told you yeah. to do that? Like, who? What, what person said, Craig, I think frosted tips is the way to go? What was her name? Yeah. No, I don't know. I think it, was, it wasn't a her. It was a – everybody was – Doing it right, Jimmy. You did it a little bit, a little frosted tips. I didn't yeah, do the tips, but the difference is right. You know, I'm I'm six foot, maybe just a little bit over, a little so under. You can actually, see the frosted tips. You're six foot six, man. You're you're up there. Who can see the tips? That's why I did it all. I it was just kind of it was a highlight. You know what I did? You know, once a terrible terrible thing. This this girl that uh, used to do the highlights for me. Do you remember? You know how they used to do it or how they do I don't even know what they do it now. So they put this big rubber, like, condom yeah. over your head with a bunch, and it's got holes in it. So they basically just go in and pull the hair out through yeah. the holes, get it kind of even, and then apply all this dye on the outside and sit there, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, fine. So that goes ahead. Well, like, I don't know what's going on, but it leaks through all the holes. So when she pulls it off, I am just not blonde. I'm actually redheaded. And I'm like, holy shit, I got to go to training tomorrow. What's going on here? <laughs> she goes, well, um, uh, okay, yeah, we got to fix this. I go, okay, yeah, you got to fix this by tomorrow morning. I got to go training. So I end up in her salon the next morning, like at 6 in the morning, her doing a re-dye. Which turned out to be just kind of a auburn kind of ready tinge. So as soon as I went in the club, the lads are just like, <laughs> yeah. "What have you done?" Where was it? And then you're going, "No, it's strawberry blonde." It's strawberry blonde. You should have seen it a couple hours ago. It looks great now. Yeah, I was like Mo Johnson. Mo oh, Johnson, yeah, Mo. And he kept on dying it blonde. The, he had the tips. Just yeah, he's like, "No, I'm blonde." I'm like, "No, you're a ginger. You're a ginger." <laughs> He was fighting against being a ginger. So what? Oh, what are they? Strawberry? What? Redwood? What was your nickname, Stax? Oh, it was awful. I think that's why I went bald. That was all the product I put in my hair. <clears throat> big walk. It was big walk and turd that week. <laughs> wow! Did not know that. I have, I, to I, keep, I have to go keep behind this that Canadian team and that Ipswich team. Yallop, Brennan, baldness. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of work you had to do. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of stress that you've been through, my man. Yeah. Um, so, you've never seen a goalkeeper go through three pairs of gloves in one match. <laughs> <laughs> he had a good sponsor. He had a good sponsor. Uh, but Craig, we were, B was just explaining the Club World Cup. Club World Cup, yeah. So I think the easiest way to explain it is, you know how there's the UEFA Champions League, which is the one you enjoy watching? 
There's the CONCACAF Champions League, right, which uh, Forge are playing in this week, yeah. next week, right? Are you going to that, by the way, Craig? We were, I think we're trying to, right? Yeah, we're uh, making every effort to, I, to do so, yeah, on the yeah, would, 16th of February, yeah. I would love to join you for that game, but uh, I won't be able to. But yeah, Cruz Azul taking on Forge in the CONCACAF Champions League. So every region, Wonger, has a Champions League, and the champion of that region plays in, representing that region in the Club World Cup with the host of whichever Middle Eastern country is is hosting it. Usually it's in Saudi Arabia, right? But it's in Abu Dhabi this time. It's usually like a Christmas tournament as well. So the European champion um, mm-hmm. and, and the World the World Cup champion also participates in this. Am I and right? For, ye- for years. Of course not. For years it was just in Japan. For years it was just in Japan, so- yes. Yeah, I was confusing it with the Confederation Cup. There's a lot of tournaments there, uh, Wong. Yes, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of tournaments, but... But Chelsea against Brazilian uh, Giants, Palmeiras, uh, might be one worth watching. I don't think anyone was watching Chelsea versus Al Ali in the lead up to this, but it's a nice cash grab for FIFA because, as you've learned, Wonger, that's what they do. Isn't there, right, Don Danny, there's some pre rounds as well that they some of the clubs have to play in before Chelsea or some of the stronger, right? Or show up. Yeah, there, there, there's a, I, I think, like the. Asia and Africa play each other first, right. um, but yeah, Conmebol and, and UEFA get the get the run in. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but if you're Thomas Tuchel, someone who's under scrutiny, if you win the uh, Club World Cup and beat Palmeiras and you add another trophy to the cabinet, um, does that kind of right the ship and shut some people up, or does it not matter at all, Craig? Um, uh, winning trophies is never a bad thing. Uh, any sort of trophy. It's interesting I had somebody, you know, a little bit like you, Wonger, or somebody who got into the game and just sort of so many things going on. What does this mean? Got a picture of Alfonso with the trophy. You see a picture of him with the Club World Cup, and then you see him with the Champions League. And this person was like, well, yeah, Club World Cup, this is, that's got to be the, the pinnacle. And it's like, no, not really. Not really. I mean, as for a player, Jimmy, tell me if I'm wrong. But as a player, forget about the World Cup. I mean, there's a lot of countries, a lot of players that can qualify for the World Cup that would never be able to play in the Premier League. Yeah. Or never be able to play in the Champions League or the top of the Champions League. So winners of the Champions League, for me, is the pinnacle for the pro- a professional football player. If you're going to win the Champions League with Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Chelsea, any of that, that is the pinnacle for me as a football player. I, I agree with you. Because you think about it, the team that wins it has normally got the best players from around the world on that team. Yeah. Right. World Cup yeah. is just, it's your own, it's your own. Yeah. Player. And the cream, cream rises generally to the top. <clears throat> and uh, if you're good enough, you'll, you'll get to the top generally. Doesn't That's matter right. what color you are or anything like that. That usually comes in later. But for Chelsea, who are, you know, uh, well off of this Premier League title race that we all were very much excited for a couple of months ago, uh, looking to stay top four, but wondering if maybe the wheels are going to fall off that room. Is it enough to kind of bring the room together? It seems like they're just they're letting Lukaku kind of run out there. He he scored the lone goal in the in the semifinal, and they're kind of letting Lukaku find his feet in the team again. Um, could be something to, to spur them spur them back on, or again, just just a, a cash grab and an inconvenience in the calendar. Like I said, winning, winning, winning trophies is a good thing. I, I think they're off the beat, but I think you also have to take into the fact that Man City have just been on a different level um, and very, very consistent and hard to 
compete and keep up with. And that's a, that's a difficult thing to do. And when it, you're expected to be in challenging for the, that, everybody saw that as uh, something that you're going to compete for. It's, it's hard to get that back on the rails when you know that Man City are just, they've got it, they've got it beat. They're just, they're, you know, Chelsea are going to try and finish in the top four and, and that's the best they can do because they're not catching City. It's a hard thing mentally, eh, Jimmy, when you know that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to make that catch. 100% is. I agree with you. Well, boys, this was fun. I'm glad that I got three topics in with you on news and such, but, uh, you guys have changed things up since I've been, uh, a daily participant and you've, you've got an interview booked, Wonger. We've been trying to bug Jonathan Osorio to, you know, just like Jimmy Brennan, we're trying to we're, we're trying to get a, get some free time with him. So he he said, "Hey, I'll jump on with you this Friday." So we've already had him on interview where we sat down with him for thirty five minutes. Now it's get him on as a regular. This is my plan to have Oso giving us updates on MLS and World Cup qualifying. But it's a perfect segue. B just before you jump, number thirty three. Highest Canada's ever been, right, Greg? Yes. Last time was 40 when they were tied with you guys. Yeah. The World Cup team, right, Jimmy? I know yeah. you guys remember this. We left at 40 and it went yeah. to 122. Okay, stop talking. <laughs> B, 33. How's it making you feel? How you, and I saw what you wrote before you jump. Oh, just to, to be the 33rd ranked team in the world, I think is, you know, amazing. Uh, really, we know that they're better because the 32 teams go to the World Cup and that's where Canada's going. So this is as simple as that. I think it's, uh, it's, it's great to see, you know, that, uh, the world is, is paying attention. Um, we joke all the time about the importance of the, uh, soft drink sponsored World Cup rankings. Uh, you know, the, the states are in the top 15, no matter how poor they're playing, right? Um, but for, for Canada, a side that's been notably out of it, like, uh, now you can't ignore Canada, Canada football and, uh, and that, that I love. And I'm very much looking forward to, you know, seeing them rise even higher and, uh, and what they can do in Qatar, man, which is crazy. Awesome. Hey, brother, have a great rest of the Olympics. Jump on anytime you can. Um, we've got some great stuff coming up and we'll share that, but we've got Jonathan Osorio coming up. B, have a great day, brother. Thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, please take part in the Olympic Games. I feel like the the buzz for, in Canada is, is not quite there because the NHLers are, aren't there. But uh, as Jimmy said, yeah. Giants follow. Which, which Olympics? Sorry, I'm. Yeah. Get, it, get a TV for us. <laughs> get, get a TV that works, I think is the right answer. You got to plug it in. While waiting for Oso, Jimmy, yeah. number 33, does that mean anything? As B was just talking about, Mexico, we beat them. U.S., we beat them. They're both ranked higher. Yeah. Do these rankings ever mean anything? We're celebrating it, and then we say it doesn't mean anything. So no, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what what this is supposed to mean for me as a guy. I've always watched Canadian football Yeah. all my life waiting for this. And then B and Sharms and Craig, every week I bring it up, they go, Rankings, well, not really Craig, but B and Sharms always bring up the rankings don't mean anything. Should I be happy or does it matter? I think it's nice that we're 33rd, but as players, they don't really care because you're just focusing on the next match and getting to a World Cup. And then when you're in the World Cup, it doesn't matter if you're ranked 32 or you're ranked 5th. Everybody wants, wants to succeed. They want to perform well. They want to get to the next round, right? And once you're in the tournament, anything can happen. So the, the seating, it, it's nice to say, yeah, we're 33rd in the world, but... At the end of the day, for the players, I don't think the players really care about that too much. Well, yeah, I mean, we have every chance. I mean, John can try and pick up nine points. That's, they're just going to keep trying to put the pressure on. Winning is 
is uh, uh, becomes a habit and you want to keep that habit, uh, just keep driving on. So until actually I retired that I was up ranking was 40 and I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty neat. So when we left at 40, Jimmy, I think, and then they went to 122 and then they've climbed this miraculous ladder, which is from that standpoint, it's incredible. But where yeah. we're getting longer is that it's not always a great judge and where they're all, all at and the way that and the strength of the, op- the opponents and all this comes into play. Because FIFA do, and they use mm. the rankings for tournaments, hey, and when, the situation that you're in and all these different things. <clears throat> so it is important from that standpoint. Um, so whether we, whether we like it or not, or whether it's accurate or not. Yeah, but Go ahead, didn't Jim. we, with, uh, even to get into England, you had to be certain, certain ranking. Within FIFA to get uh, in order to get a visa to play in that country. That's right. What? That's right. Yeah, I think you had to be under fifty, yeah. and uh, and if you were under fifty, and if you didn't have a British passport or European passport, then um, it made it easier for you to get a visa because you were ranked so high. So if you're in the top and you played seventy five percent of your national team game for a work permit, if you didn't have already an EU or a British passport, uh, yeah. which was like for, for which is really difficult because if you're a young lad, you are not percent of your national team games. So how are you going to get that work permit unless your parents are for a EU or British passport because obviously the out of the EU now anyway. Yeah, I've got a I have an Irish passport. And did that make it easier? Yeah, I went in because of my mother. Just bring in John and Jimmy. Also what's happening? What's up, man? Not much. How are things How are going? You? Yeah, good, good, good. Are season good. getting harder and harder now you're getting older? Yeah, fuck, man. It's <laughs> no joke. It's no joke. But I get to get out of a lot of things too, though. Now that I'm getting older. Of course older. you do. Because uh, <laughs> now I'm not as smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hamstring's a little bit tight. Oh, yeah. Right, so yeah. Sit down. <laughs> when you're younger, you're just running through a brick wall and your hamstrings oh. are falling off, your groins are done. True, true. Don't even warm up. Just run out there and start smashing balls all over the place. You know when even when you tell the physios like when you're young that like oh something's bothering me, they're like, nah, shut up, you're okay. Just keep going. Keep going. Yeah. They don't believe you. <laughs> no, they don't want to treat you. Exactly. So John, we were just talking about number thirty-three in the world, new rankings. You've been on this squad representing Canada. What do these games mean to you? The last window was fantastic. Just seeing you celebrate made me excited to be thinking of you. What's going on? And then tell us how things are going with not only TFC, but let's start with Team Canada. Or How are you feeling about all this? And how exciting is it for you? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's amazing. Um, Obviously, yeah, the, the rankings came out about... Uh, us moving up to 33 and um it's exciting because we never i don't think we've we've been that high before so um but even apart from that just just uh thinking about where we are uh the position that we've put ourselves in in the in the qualifiers you know we're like literally right there and um it's it's an amazing feeling because we dreamed of this so at the start of it we this was our goal and and I think not many people believed in it uh, at first. It was a little bit far-fetched uh, uh, to believe in at the beginning and with reason. Uh, but now to see the, the amount of support that we have from um, <laughs> the whole country, is it's, it's incredible. It's honestly, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. When, when we look at the, you know, the, the dream and uh, the goal and you guys wanted to make the world cup and a lot had the same belief the most important thing was the dressing room of course um whether you guys believed it 
Did you believe it right from the get-go, or was it something that you sort of thought when you got into the final group and you were like, all right, we're competing with this group. This is a group. We're not out of the, you know, we finished off the punch bags really, really well in a, in a potential banana slip, uh, banana situation. Now you got these better teams. Did, did that, was that the difference? Was that the, what set you guys into that confidence? Like, Hey, we're, we're, we might even be the best in Concord. Yeah. yeah honestly, uh, I would say it started around the first camps that John Herdman came in and the players that he was coming, he was, he was bringing in, he was bringing in like these young players that I hadn't heard of. Like Liam Miller at the time was at Liverpool. He brought him in and I'm seeing, I'm seeing these guys coming in little by little. I'm like, okay, now, now we're starting to see the real talent that, that Canada has. We're starting to see the, the, the growth. And then once we get into those games, uh, to those Nations League games. I think the, the big, the big, um, the, the the turning point of where we really started to believe in ourselves was the home game against the U.S., which we won two zero in a game that we needed to win at the time because of the ranking point system at the time and the way it was set up. We needed those points to get into the top six, and we beat them two zero. Like outplayed them everything. That was the point we really started to believe. Okay, like we're we're we could be on our way to becoming the best in Concacaf, and then all these players started getting, you know, moves and doing well in their own leagues and things like that, and then we're getting new players. So probably a little bit before qualifying, probably the Gold Cup was on. Like, okay, yeah, we 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 have a chance to be to be the best in this region. It's really good. The, the confidence and the way that you guys are playing now, there's so much energy, and it's a joy to watch. Truly, is exciting. You know, just uh, when you get on the ball, the style of play that you're playing, how quick you are going forward, the opportunities. It just feels like every time you guys go forward, you've got an opportunity to score. And even when you make your substitution, the depth that's in that squad right now, we've never had that in the national team before. Mm-hmm. Never had that. And every player that's just coming on is just adding more to that team. It's exciting times to watch. It really is. And it must be exciting for you also because if I look at your career, you've got a wonderful career, winning MLS Cup, Supporters' Shield, one of the best players in MLS, Canadian Championships. And now you've got that opportunity where you could be playing in the biggest stage of the world, the World Cup, which every player has a dream of getting to and representing Canada. How exciting is that for you? Yeah, man. I appreciate the, the words, first of all. And, and it's a it's in, to think about, I'm, you know, so I'm trying to really, really stay in the moment during all this, you know, it, it, and sometimes it's kind of hard because like you, you, you look to the future because you're so close or you look to your past because of everything you've accomplished. But honestly, I'm really just trying to stay in the moment and, and remember what got me here, right? Just working every day, day by day. And um, no, it's amazing. It's amazing to be a part of this team. And like you said, it, it's a, I think the big thing, and, and you mentioned it, is our depth. Uh, I don't, uh, like you said, I don't think the national team has had depth like this. And and these kind of calls where there's three games in a window, important. And I think it's it's been our it's been our key. It's been our key. The depth that people and, and John switches the lineups every game. He has a plan for every game, and everybody has chance, and everybody has stepped up and done their job. And and that's been that's been honestly what's been uh, amazing about this group. Yeah. And, um, you know, everybody has had their opportunity to, to contribute during this run. And everybody has contributed. Everybody has come in and done their job. And I think that's what makes this group so, so special and this run so amazing.
this group and the depth, uh, and you see these players coming on. Also, there must be a lot of guys uh, looking at this as a, this is a competition for spots. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody wants to be part of the squad. Everybody wants to be part of the starting lineup at the World Cup. But there's a deep squad, and there's going to be some guys on the fringes that are going to be left out, and they're going to be devastated by that. I know that you guys have to deal with that as pros. And then also tell us about staying in that moment, but now concentrating on your club Toronto SC and they're the ones paying your wages week in week out and you have to remember yeah. that and perform for them as well mm-hmm. yeah so it's, it's a it's such a good point in most teams that would probably with, with a with a team full of really really good players where really anybody could be in the starting lineup that could it could be a problem depending on who you who the player I think the the really nice thing about this group is that there's no egos and we're really like a family so everybody like we we honestly support each other. We know we're against each other or whatever in competitions, but at the end of the day, I, there, there's no egos on this team. Everybody, you know, when decisions are made, decisions are made. We we get on with it and, and we wait for our opportunity. And and because we know, and also we know, I think the thing that helps is that John is switching every game. So we know I'm not starting this game. Maybe I start the next game. That's how it's been so far. We'll see how it goes in the future. But um but no, I, everybody you know checks their egos at the door, and and we're we're just so supportive of each other. So that's actually never been a problem on this team. You know, the there is competition, and in trainings you can see it. Guys are are training to to win that spot. But but when the decision is made, there's, there's no hard feelings at all. To be to be honest, it's nothing like that. And then, yeah, I mean, for me, going back to club is a probably maybe a bit easier than than other players, just because. I, you know, I play for the country I love and I also play for the city that I love. So for me, it, it's, I'm lucky in that sense that it, it's, it's not an easy, it's, it's an easy transition. I can, I can switch back and forth of, of focusing on, 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 um, either club or country, but you, they kind of go hand in hand too. Cause what you do with your club is what is gonna, you know, get you on the national team. And then even how you're doing is going to give you the chance to be in the starting lineup. So. They kind of go hand in hand, and 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 in that case, I think it's 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 a it's kind of it's pretty easy to 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 switch. You know, I, I look at it as well, also, and and I think because the player pool is so deep, right? And with John changing the lineups for yourself as a central midfielder who covers an awful lot of ground, to play three games back to back with the travel, it absolutely would take so much out of you. I'm oh. an awful lot out of you. First game, you're giving everything. Second game, then you start thinking mentally. Third game, you're going, just get me through this. But when yeah, you yeah. know, okay, I'm not playing the first one, but I got the second one, and I'm going to be fresh, and I'm ready to go. Yeah. You know, I think mentally it, it gets you right. But then also going back to your club, knowing I'm coming back here where I'm going to be fresh still. You know, I've, I've played yeah. one game, or maybe i played two, but I'm, you know, I'm going back to TFC, and I'm ready to fight for that spot. Rather than playing those three games in a row, traveling down to Honduras, back up to Mecca or wherever, Edmonton, then back down to El Salvador, then trying to go back to TFC, fight for your spot. I think it just mentally helps you out. Do you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it's, it would take, uh, I think last window, there's maybe like two guys that played three nineties and they're, they're defenders. Everybody else had their share of minutes and, and yeah. A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree to, 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 to play those three nineties. And on top of that, I'm in, I'm in preseason, man. I was in preseason. Yeah. So 
I think I, I, I had a conversation with John right before I went into camp. So he got my mind uh, right about what to expect in these games. And that helps as well. But I, I knew, honestly, I didn't expect to, 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 to play actually even as much as I did. I, I surprised myself. I made sure that I was ready to play 390s, should that yeah. be the case. But you can only do so much uh, in preseason. You know, there's nothing like the intensity of actual game. That's and right. I think that was the same for, for everybody. But when you space it out like that, and, you, and, and, and to your point, you, you're fresh going into the game. You're mentally fresh, physically good. And then when you're done camp, you're like, okay, I haven't, I haven't used all up all of my energy on this, on this camp. You know, I still have energy to go back to my club to keep performing. So yeah. I think all around it's, 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 it's good that it worked out that way and, and, uh, for everybody. Yeah. I think when you look at it, it's, it's good management. Really yeah. is good management. And you can actually see in every single game the energy that everybody's bringing. Yeah. And, they, and not once did it drop off. It was mm-hmm. just. You know, because the fresh legs were coming on and everybody's starting different games and, and every game was just intense and it was it was good to see. You could really see it. And I thought, brilliant. I thought it was very good men. You're right, Jimmy. And one of the big things that John had to put up with it or, you know, think about was that guys like Oso, Buchanan and the MLS guys have not played for a couple months. So he's thinking about minutes, how fit they are, right? Oso, all these different things. Maybe that was one of the reasons why you thought maybe I wouldn't play as much. And then you got... Even the situation with a guy like Tejon, who's signed in Europe with a new club, he's only really just got there, plays mm-hmm. 45 minutes, and then all of a sudden, bang, he's gone off with a national team. So as much as he loves the national team, that's really, really good. He's also got in the back of the mind. He's like, I want to get back. I want to get settled into my club. I want to get some regular playing time because, like you say, also regular playing time is important to get into the nationals hand in hand. But, I mean, just the fact that John would have the decisions and, and things to think about of playing time. You guys have – you're coming off MLS, different leagues, different seasons, different players coming off these different stuff of that. Was that one of the reasons why it is much? Because of maybe coming off that season and you were in preseason and the, the challenges of that as well as – Guys like Tejan, who just signed in Belgium. Well, not just signed, but made the move back over there from this lonely spell in New England, trying to concentrate on getting into the team because you said it's important, like you're right to uh, perform at club level as well. All these different things are going through players' minds all the time. And uh, is that one of the reasons why you thought maybe uh, that you wouldn't get as much playing time or as much as you did? Yeah, that was the only reason, really. That's that's the only reason I was, that was going through my mind was, oh, like John's going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to get picked and John is, is the reason is going to be because I'm not in season. And honestly, it would be, he, well, well, like, what can I say to that? He, he's right. Um, but I did make sure we had programs. They gave us programs for the off season and I made sure to get myself ready. And I, I was in contact with them all the time. Like, listen, I know I haven't been playing, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Blah, blah. And he did, um, and he called me before and, um, Right before I said, oh, listen, with, with everything going on, because we have some we have some COVID problems going into camp and things like that, I need you, would you be ready to play back-to-back 90s? I oh. said, in my mind, I was, I was honest <laughs> with him. In my mind, there was one thing. <laughs> I was like, I, this is, on, I swear, I swear, this is what I said. I promise this is what I said. I said, honestly, John, like, I'm going to be real honest with you. It will be very tough. For me, very tough. <laughs> you know me. I'm gonna give it a go. I'll give it, but yeah. it will be tough for me. He's like, okay. <laughs> He's like, no, no. I appreciate your honesty, you know, and all of that. Um, I just wanted to get your your head around that. I wanted to get your mental 
just yeah. get your head around that, that, you know, I might need you for back to back nineties. Getting your head around it. Also training hard. Maybe I haven't been. I bet, I bet you when he asked that question, you started getting a cramp. <laughs> I, I pulled a hammy already. Right. <laughs> Before we pivot to uh, MLS and TFC, Craig came over to watch the El Salvador game, and it took us about 20 minutes to figure out how Atiba scored that goal. What were you guys <laughs> looking at? Did you know what happened until the film? Like, when did you guys figure out how he scored this goal, and what was the look on his face, and how did he celebrate, and how did you guys celebrate? Because we thought it went in the – Craig goes, it went in the side of the net. We didn't know how it went in until we watched it like 10 times. No, so I was subbed out at this time. Yeah. I was subbed out, so I was on the bench. We had no idea what happened. I had no idea. It was weird from the angle we were in. We didn't really see it. Well, all of a sudden, Atiba starts cheering, and he's like one of the only ones. But he's cheering because Atiba is the one that knows right away. Yeah. So some of the guys on the pitch start start hugging him, and we we look at each other on the bench. Like, oh my god, we just scored! So we all jumped off and we all went to Atiba. It was so weird. It was like it was just weird. Yeah. And then when we saw, I kept looking at the ref because I was like, is this guy gonna call something? Because to me, it looked like it went out. It looked like it hit the back post, like the 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 post in the back that that holds up the net. I, I thought it went out. I thought I was like, oh, this is a goal kick, and it's all of a sudden it's in the net. And I'm looking at the ref. I'm looking at the ref while I'm running to Atiba. And the ref is saying goal. And it wasn't until we got back. Uh, I think it wasn't until we got back to our bench. I was like, how the hell did that get in? And I didn't see. I didn't know how it went in until after the game when I saw the replay. And when yeah. I saw the replay, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. It was Insane. unbelievable. Insane. He, the, the best was when he started celebrating like he meant it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it, but it was such a, a it was such a crazy situation because you're right because I think it was Zavaleta was going oh the ball's out or something and the goalkeeper were grabbing a ball to say goal kick yeah 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 right. something like that happened I don't know what the goalkeeper was doing because if you actually look at the photo when the ball's whipped in near post it's then directed onto the post the keeper yeah, for it, some it, reason. It, he yeah. thinks it's gone behind him. So he, in the photo, when it hits the post and goes back into into a team and then whatever, he's looking the other way. He's looking completely the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very strange, very strange how uh, he thought that that was behind him. And then and then he then he had a chance actually to save it also it, because of the angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just swatting flies. <laughs> Crocodile arms. <laughs> <laughs> You're in Austin. You're at training. What's having a new gaffer like? What's it like for you right now? How's how's the team faring? And you're just coming off these World Cup qualifying games. That transition, like you said, has been fairly easy for you. But having a new coach isn't easy for anybody. What's that transition like? No, it's been good. Um, Bob's a really good coach, man. He's he's very. I mean, you can just tell from from the way he is with us and the players. He knows what he's talking about. He knows he knows what he wants. He knows how he sees the game, and he has a very clear message to us and how to transmit that to us. Um, I've been I've been very happy. I've been impressed. Um, you know, obviously, I knew him coming in, uh, what he's accomplished and everything, but actually being coached from him and, and seeing it now, 
uh, it's really good. I think it's a, it's a it's the move the 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 club needed, and um, you know I think uh, obviously we've, we're getting players in slowly now, and and you can see the team starting to come together. And we actually just had our first preseason game. Um, well, I was a part of the first preseason game um, of the season against Austin the other day. We played thirty minutes the the first group, and it was really good. It was really good. Um, you know, Bob has an idea, and we we implemented that into the game, and it was really good, really good high intensity football. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting team this year because that's that's the way he likes the game. He likes a, a team that's exciting, that likes to play, but uh, with a high intensity. So I think you'll, you'll see that this year. And and to your point, changing from national team to to club, it was funny because I had just played, you know, the ninety against USA, and even started the game against El Salvador and such high emotions and high intensity games. So I'm going into this preseason game against Austin, knowing that I'm playing only 30 minutes and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to treat this with the same mindset, you know, that same mindset. It's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be a breeze for me. I've just, I just played 90. So I start the game and to your point with a different coach, different style. So we're, we're really going after it. After the 30, I was (laughs) done, winded. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I said, no, this is this doesn't make sense. I just came from playing 90 against even the USA in a high-intensity game. This is yeah. impossible. And even then, I was winded. So it's just crazy, the you know, the way football kind of works in that way. But um, but no, it's been uh, it's been <laughs> good so far. You've seen the highs, you've seen the lows. Um, you experienced the best that you could do, winning everything, right? Do you feel that the squad's he- heading in the, the right direction? Are the right pieces in the squad right now? Um, uh, do you think you're going to be? Uh, we've got the squad at TFC right now that's going to compete this season. Yes, I do. I honestly do. They've they've brought in the pieces to to make us at least competitive, even competitive for the start of the season. Yeah, and um, and it's heading in the and I think for sure the club is is heading in the right direction now. It's on the right path exactly. for sure. I, I do I do believe that. Uh, obviously, we will see because you know. Even last year, when the new coach came in, I, I I was very optimistic and and I had positive things to say, and we know how that turned out. So I don't want to promise anything or anything like that, but I will say that it does seem that they're, they're bringing in the right pieces. You can you can tell that once it does look uh, like some good signings for sure. Yeah, very good signings, and they look good. They are what they they are supposed to be, and um, for sure we're in the head. We're gonna be. We will be better this year than last year for sure, but I think also we'll, we will be competitive. Well, I got I got one more question for you, my my buddy. How's uh, how's Mr. Grumpy there, Paul Salteri? How's he doing? <laughs> the most miserable man in the world. No, Stali's good, man. Stali's good. I'm, I'm happy he's here. Actually, um, nah, he's he's enjoying it. He's still he's still a bit grumpy, you know. You know Stali, but but he's oh, good. Yeah, yeah. He's he he always falls back. He's like. He always pulls back on Paul Pesci Salido. He's like, that. no, 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 I can't, I'm not, no, Pesci was always worse than me, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> he says, I was honest. I wasn't grumpy. I was honest. <laughs> he is honest. He's like, no, Sally's good, man. Sally's good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy he's here. He's great. He's great yeah. with the, even the young, the young Canadians, he's been great with them, man. Great. Yeah. No, he's a good coach. Very good. 
I think it's important that we, uh, you know, guys that retire and even yourself down the road, if you want to get involved in coaching or anything that involves a game at the Canadian level or club level, uh, that would be a great move. And we'd like to see more of our former players involved in Canada too. So uh, nice to see Stolly uh, pick there. And I think Bob Bradley probably recognized that, you know, you got a great experienced guy, Bundesliga champion, uh, whatnot, um, good coach experience qualified so yeah i thought it was a good move from from bob bradley's point of view for sure so i hope that works out for you and the expectations are high for sure and i think that that was needed because the last couple of years of the pandemic they needed to you know almost build on the buzz of the national team and continue that on with some positivity with the tfc uh, uh, setup which uh, looks really really good at the moment yeah yeah no for sure 100 percent um i think bob has picked the staff and I think he was really good in picking the staff and the way he did and, and the players coming in and, and he assigned a lot of young guys too. Uh, he's brought in a lot of young Canadians, brought in a couple guys from, uh, CPL to have a look at them. He already signed one of them. Um, this is all really good things that, that, that Canada soccer needs, right? So, um, yeah, now we've, like you said, we've been kind of going off, TFC has kind of been riding off the buzz of the national team for the last year and now, we kind of we need to put TFC there again, where where yes. where it belongs, and 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 um, you know back at the top because, like you said, it's 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 a different you know it's crazy because Carlos Alcelo came in and he was saying, oh you know like Toronto, I think I'm gonna love. It's a little bit more relaxed than playing in Monterrey and Tigres. Salcedo was just saying uh, he was talking to me about his time in, in Tigres and Monterrey about the the pressure of playing there and like the fans how they're crazy and they're oh if you don't win a game they're killing you you're saying oh in the mls i think it's a little bit different and i go yes like you're not gonna have when we lose a game you're not gonna have fans waiting at the front of your house to break your windows but there still is a pressure at least at this club to win there's for sure a pressure to win so so no it's just interesting to, to to hear about different you know different places and their pressures but here there is a pressure it's a little bit different in the sense you know people are a little bit more civilized and stuff but it's still a pressure to to win, and and so yeah. you know we we need to bring TFC back to back to that. I, I agree with you, and the thing is too, when you look at Toronto, it's a, it's a very fickle market as well, right? They they want to be successful, and, and Toronto has to win whatever it's doing, mm-hmm. right? And everybody yeah. loves being a part of success. And when TFC was flying, and you guys were winning everything, you couldn't get a ticket in that stadium, mm-hmm. right? But then as soon as things start dropping off, just like any other sport, you know, the, the fans kind of walk away a little bit, don't they? Because it's it's yeah. not good enough. And it's yeah, it's going to be exactly. good to see, uh, and that's the pressure that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to win. Exactly, you have to win. Yeah, the like that that feeling of when we are winning stuff and and uh, it's it's the best. Like the feeling that the fans give you is, is incredible. Yeah. Of course, when you're winning, and and this city is incredible. If you're a winning team, amazing, yeah. the best, yeah. the best. I would say. Yeah. Um, but when, yeah, like you said, they, they have high standards, the, the people of Toronto and they only, they want winning teams. And especially now that they've uh, had a taste of a winning team, I think that's what they expect. They expect this now. They want this forever because, because, uh, they give it back. When you're winning, they give, they give that reward back. Do you find also with the Major League Soccer setup, the differences of it are obviously, you know, with the playoff system that you don't have to be top of the tree. Um, it's important that you have momentum going into the completely different animal than we see in European leagues where the top team will win that league. I mean, you got the, you get a CONCACAF Champions League spot, I believe, for, for your best record in the league season. But other than that, it's a playoff season. It's really different. So, 
Bob Bradley, in his experience also in Europe, setting up for that, does he, do you think he approaches a season differently from the start to the end than he would do if he was uh, managing like he was in the Premier League? I'm not, I'm not sure. That's a great question. And I'm not, I'm not exactly sure because I haven't been actually, I don't know if he had the, that meeting with the players while I was gone on a national team about maybe if he's, if he's said anything about the team's objectives for this year. What it seems like is that he's, he's just going game to game and he's already instilling that winning mentality of we need to win every game. We want to win every game. My, my feeling is that because of, because of uh, how much he loves football and how much he, um, you know, he watches the European leagues and stuff, the supporter shield means, means a lot to him. So he will be going after that. And in going after that, you set yourself up for the playoffs in a good position because you win the supporter shield, you have home advantage for the playoffs. And that's huge in playoffs, huge. So I think for sure for us, uh, with the way our club and our rosters is, is setting up, um, we'll be going after Supporter Shield, but yeah, it, like you said, in in, in the end, it, in, in the way the league is set up, you just you need to make it to the playoffs. That's if you make it to the playoffs, you have a chance. Um, but I think my feeling was the way with Bob's mentality and the way you know he sees football, he he will also want to push to to go for the Supporter Shield. Before we let you go, also I'm uh, going to put you on the spot. You've had TFC had a rough season, but this World Cup qualifying has been resoundingly successful what's the memory up to now is it the azteca goal because we were jumping on the sheets for that was it the beating the americans at tim horton's field what's standing out for you it's i think it's it's hard to say it's hard to say one moment but i mean the azteca goal obviously was special um the win at the uh, tim horton's was really special because that's that's got us so so close so close and even the El Salvador one as well. I got to say, probably the most amazing moment was Alfonso Davies scoring that goal against Panama. And mm-hmm. the way the stadium was for that goal, I, 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 I felt like the change. That was the change in football in this country forever, I think. That was, that was the moment. The U.S. game in 2019 was the, was the turning point for us inside, in the, within the team. But the turning point for the whole country and this this sport in this country, I think, was was that game because it was a must win game. I think that window we we tied Mexico the first game, we tied Jamaica in a game we should have won. A must win game, um, and and we went down the first five minutes, I think, of that game. Um, but we played really well, and and then that goal, it's it's going to be a goal that we remember forever in, in Canadian soccer history. Yeah, oh, so that uh, atmosphere in Hamilton, uh, I wasn't in Edmonton, so I can't play there and never saw an atmosphere quite like that. Maybe Edmonton or uh, Edmonton when we played against Brazil back in the day. But in Hamilton, it was something special. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be there and witness that and the pro-Canadian crowd. I, I've never seen anything quite like it. Uh, you guys fed off it. Uh, are you guys aware of the of the absolute buzz and the, the just the attention that the sport is getting here? Is everybody feeling that? I mean, because it's, it's certainly evident in Canada. Uh, I would say yes and no. I would say yes. Like we're, we're aware of now that like everybody's posting about us on social media and things like that. Um, but I don't know if we... we we see it to the way you see it. Like, I don't think we see it the way it is in, in the stands, in the actual stands, how exciting it is because we're not there. 
and you can only imagine it. I think you only imagine it. And it's probably more, and, and that's what makes it amazing. That atmosphere was amazing, like you said. That you know they said it was half capacity, uh, supposed to be like twelve thousand. It looked way more than that, or felt there more was, than that. There was more than twelve in there. That's for sure. <laughs> they, they were sneaking people in. There was it was 12. crazy, amazing, amazing. Uh, I, I thought so, so too. I thought you know what? It, there's think, no way there's twelve uh, in here. There's, there's probably twenty. It was awesome. No, it was amazing. It was amazing, amazing crowd, and and in the whole game and everything was was just amazing. The way it ended, the the way it started, the way it ended, the middle, everything. It's 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 incredible. You know, as uh, as ex players, national team members, we're so proud of you guys and what you're doing now with this national team, and it's uh, it's amazing to watch. Love the camaraderie, and can't wait to watch you boys in a World Cup. That's for sure. Dang, I appreciate that, Jimmy. And I, I've told Craig this, and I'll tell you now, like, us players, especially, you know, I don't know about the young players. I think the young players as well. But for me, um, we don't forget about the past. We don't forget about how hard it was for you guys because it was hard for us. And we know it, it must have been even harder for you guys as Canadian players back in the day to to make a name for yourselves. And you two are, are examples that have made a name for yourselves in the world of football. So, we don't forget about you guys, and and um, we're always thankful for 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 you guys and what you've done for for Canada for soccer and the sport. And um, honestly, this is, is is as much as you guys' success as it uh, is it is ours because without you guys, it's not us. So we appreciate you guys, man. Thanks, so so appreciate that. And you know, we you know we're all players. We're we come and go, but we uh, we certainly remember each other and we we appreciate that and I, I never doubted it in a second that that was the case uh we're, we're all together on this and uh, right behind you and good luck with your uh, uh with the toronto sc preseason and the coming up season as well as keeping yourself fit and ready to go you know you got three massive games left with the national team john's going to want to go out there and win all keep that momentum and that habit of winning going so thanks no thank you guys i appreciate you guys having me man it's always a it's always an honor we wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much, Oso, for jumping on. For Jimmy, for Craig, Brendan, and, and Charms, who aren't here. You've been on Footy Prime News and such, and we didn't throw you under the bus too badly. So thanks, Oso. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 